eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. David Eichholz, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com. Uh, Sean, we were planning on talking about Iowa football, but some breaking news surrounding Iowa basketball. Top transfer target, Fardaz Amac, has officially cut his list of five. A couple programs I think we kind of knew were in the front-running category, and a couple others we thought maybe were maybe in the back burner a little bit, but have really stepped up. But according to ESPN, Fardaw's final five include Washington, Gonzaga, Iowa, Texas, and Texas Tech. Obviously, there's been a lot of buzz around Texas Tech, but a few other programs as well as he did take an official visit uh, to Washington. So, Sean, not shocking, but for people who are kind of saying Fran's not really being aggressive in the portal – he, he, they've cert- the entire staff certainly put about everything they can into trying to secure Fardaws right now. Yeah, they've really, they've really tried to push for AMAC. Obviously, you know, a lot of talk is going to be, you know, who else is Iowa going to look at besides AMAC because that list is pretty, is pretty daunting. You know, you got Texas who, you know, has had success. Texas Tech, obviously, um, you know, their roster is going to look a little different next year, but they've really hit the portal hard. Um, Washington's another school in the mix. He took an official visit there, I believe, last week. And then you have Gonzaga as well, who, you know, Drew Timmy might be coming back next year. But, you know, there's not a definite, you know, answer with that. I think those two guys could really could really coexist a little bit. But, I mean, Iowa's got a lot to sell, you know, with, the, with Luca Garza's success. Obviously, they've had guys in the past. Iowa really likes to run their offense through those big men. And AMAC has seen that, you know, I threw it on our VIP boards the other day. And, you know, today, too, I have a I have a piece on there um, right now, kind of going through the whole recruitment and where things stand. And, you know, AMAC told me when Iowa met with him last week that, you know, they mentioned how good of a fit it could be. And, you know, AMAC agreed with that. He said, yeah, I could definitely see myself being there. I believe I could be a real asset on both sides of the floor and, you know, be, be a really integral piece to to this mix for a team that. You know, I think a lot of people, while they lose pieces like Keegan Murray, um, Jordan Bohannon, you know, Joe Toussaint, you know, I think Iowa really has a legitimate chance of being the top six team in the Big Ten next year, um, you know, yeah. even without those types of guys. So, you know, Amax sees that. He knows the physicality that he could play with in that conference. You know, it's a little different from playing at Utah Valley. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of upside and a lot of reason to believe, like, hey, Iowa is really in the mix for that. I know, like I said before, Texas Tech, they're going to be hard to beat, but – you know, there are a lot of up there's Iowa has a lot to sell and you know at this point you just gotta applaud them for being in it as much as they are. And you know the other part too, Sean, is this is a guy that we've heard at least behind the scenes. He wants to play the shooters. He wants to play in one of those offenses. And you look at what Iowa's got coming back next year and and just the team makeup. I think this has been your point, at least to our VIP members, is 
You look at Iowa's roster, you look at what they need, you look at what Fardaz says he wants out of a potential roster, it, it's it's there. I mean, you look at I think Peyton Sanford's the guy who's going to take a big step next year. Patrick McCaffrey, I think, showed – I mean, he had a great burst in the NCAA tournament, and he really is the reason why Iowa was in the game as much as they were. Um, you look at Tony Perkins, who I, it could be a potential all-Big Ten guard next year. Not first team, maybe a second or third team. But, you know, he really came on strong late. And obviously Chris Murray, who – not just me, but I think many others believe he he's a potential Big Ten Player of the Year guy next year if he comes back and he sort of follows his brother's path. And uh, Chris is not declared for the NBA draft yet. I still expect him to, to at least go through the process. And I think Fran McCaffrey and, and basically the Iowa program expects that at this point as well. We're going to see what happens with Connor McCaffrey. But again, you look at who's kind of there. I think Joe Toussaint, it's a, you know, it, it, that's a tough piece to lose. But you look at Aaron Ulysses, you look at the way Iowa could potentially run their team next year. And then you look at Fardaz. I mean, that's almost the ideal guy Iowa fans have wanted for a center. And, like, yes, and that takes nothing away from Luka Garza. What he accomplished at Iowa is second to none. I think he's the best player in program history, personally, with just how statistically eye-popping he was. Two-time national player of the year, according to me, and at least a couple other outlets as well. But you look at Fardaz, you look at the game he brings, he's a true rim protector. I mean, he's a two-time conference uh, defensive player of the year, 13.9 rebounds, one of the highest defensive rebounding rates in the country, according to Ken Palm. His back-to-basket still needs a little bit of work, his soft touch, but I think you look at what Fran McCaffrey and company do, they do a really good job of instilling that. And he's a guy who can go out and hit a three-pointer or two if you need him to. Not a heavy, heavy perimeter threat in terms of he's not going to take five a game, but this is a guy that if you, you can run some pick and pops and at least spread out the defense. So just from a Fran McCaffrey offensive standpoint, I think he has a lot to sell. And this is a guy who's clearly a very strong defender. And if he wants to improve his offensive game to maybe get looked at for the next level, I think that's where Fran McCaffrey really needs to kind of hammer that point home. Say, hey, you can be a defensive anchor and we'll put the offense, not maybe not centered around you, but you'll have the opportunities to be really, really efficient and at least put a lot more stuff on film. Yeah, Fardos would be a, be a really good addition for Iowa, um, no doubt in my mind. But, you know, I think one of the things that you have to take into account with some of these guys that are going to transfer up from low major programs to, you know, more high major programs, especially the Big Ten, is you look at Fardos' TRA or games against TRA opponents last year, Obviously a big drop-off. You know, he shot 44% overall from three last year, but he was 27% from three in against TRA opponents. Shot 44% in twos against TRA. Um, had a lower rebounding rate. Had a lower, you know, true efficiency offensive rating. Um, you know, all those all those numbers. So, you know, I think one of those things, if you bring in Fardaz, you know, which I think Iowa has, has a shot of doing. I'm not saying, you know, they're the favorite, but I think, Obviously, like I said before, Texas Tech is going to be a real competitor. You know, you kind of have to take, you know, maybe a back seat a little bit to what his expectations are going to be because, you know, Philip Rabracha averaged 16-8 and eight or something along those lines at North Dakota. And, you know, obviously he didn't have to score as much this year because, you know, you have guys like Keegan Murray around him, you know, Chris Murray, Patrick McCaffrey. But... You know, Fardaz, you know, you're going to have more guys around him, more of a balanced kind of approach with what you can do, you know, offensively. And, you know, I think Fardaz, I think him having an extra two or three inches on Rebracho is really impactful. I think Fardaz listed at like 6'11 or something like that. So I think that's really notable, which could give him a little bit more of an edge as, as opposed to Rebracho, who, you know, honestly, I think was closer to 6'8 than he was 6'9. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, Rebrat or Fardaz, you know, as far as his recruitment goes, like I said, Texas Tech is going to be hard to beat. You know, Iowa's put their best foot forward. You know, have really put in a lot of resources to landing him. Um, You know, will it pay off in the end? I don't know. I think they'll get an official visit from him. Um, I feel pretty good about that right now. As far as, you know, NBA draft, I I do think, you know, it could take a little longer than some of, um, you know, other transfer pool targets. You know, as we saw with Joe Toussaint, was a fairly quickly process in going to West Virginia. But I think, you know, Fardaz really wants to take in that feedback and see what the NBA has to offer because, you know, it's a legitimate decision for him. But, you know, if I had to predict right now, I would say that he's coming back to college for at least one more season. And, you know, the the options are definitely uh, definitely interesting. There is some good competition, but, you know, I think Iowa, you know, I feel like they've put themselves in the race and, you know, they have a lot to sell in that regard. Yeah, no, Sean, I think Iowa has a good shot. At him, but like you said, I think it's going to take Iowa. Definitely needs to get an official visit out of him. He needs to come see the campus because that's obviously going to be a big transition coming from Utah to Iowa, especially northern North Utah. And, you know, I, I lived in Utah for ten years. It's definitely a big culture adjustment there as well. But you know, like like you said, Sean, I think the skill set's very interesting to me. And again, I don't want to say it's an ideal frame McCaffrey big, but then you look at what he does offensively, and you look at what he wants Iowa to do defensively. And I know. I know a lot of people are very hard on Adam Woodbury. Big body, didn't block a lot of shots, but you talk about a guy who was a great defensive communicator. He would still alter a lot of shots, not block a lot of shots. He would do different things. So I think you get a guy who blocks a few more shots, understands the game at a deep level defensively, and then he can do some different things back to basket. You know, I think one of the biggest things to me would be if Iowa gets that true rim protector, how does that does that change what Iowa tries to do from a defensive schematic standpoint in the zone? Because I think you could easily make a couple more adjustments. That, like with all due respect to Philip Robracci, he does some good things on the floor. He's not going to be that true elite rim protector. That's just not his game. So maybe that changes things up. And you know, again, it also comes down to the fact if if Iowa lands Amac, does Philip Robracci come off the bench? I think the answer has to be yes, right? But then you lose Joshua Gundele, then does Iowa go after another front court piece, or are they only going to rely on Fardaz being their only true big man? Uh, because if they keep going after guys in the portal, I think you and I both agree there needs to be maybe at least one more guard that they go after in the portal, unless they push it aside to 2023. But if Iowa lands Fardaz, do you really want to push that scholarship there? Because if you land one more impact player, then I think you're really, really talking about a team that has potential to do something very, very special. Yeah, I think with the guard conversation, I think right now the focus is that Iowa looks into 2023 for a guard rather than the transfer portal. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think they feel comfortable with Aaron Ewis and DeSante Bowen at this point. I know DeSante really needs to show some growth going into his first year, Um, but I think he'll get there eventually. I think one of the things that I really thought about too, you know, you talk about, you know, adding a really important front court piece in Fardaz. You know, you talk about Chris Murray, assuming that he comes back. There were times this year where Iowa felt more comfortable throwing him at the five spot to play big instead of like a Josh Ongondale or a Riley Mulvey. And, you know, if you want Chris Murray to be more of a scorer next year, I think it makes sense to, you know, not put him at the five when, you know, there's a chance of him, you know, when you have Fardaz there. Like, I don't think you need to throw him at the five as much. Because, you know, you had that true big man. And, you know, I know Rebracha, a lot of people were hard on him at the beginning of the year because of, you know, his struggles when it came to rebounding. But, you know, he looked a lot better in that area. And you could, you know, really rely on him for a couple minutes 
Um, you know, I mean, you could rely on him to be a front court piece or a five piece for a while after assuming what he did last year. But, you know, I think Vardos would be a really, you know, key addition in that regard or, you know, at least a step up um, from that. So I also think that the hope is that Riley Mulvey takes that step forward this year. Yeah. I know the staff, you know, it's never easy for a guy to, you know, enroll um, or reclassify a year ahead of time. Um, especially in the Big Ten, you never really see guys unless they're like top dogs having that sort of success. But, you know, I think the hope is that Mulvey can be a serviceable big man or at least a serviceable number five spot, um, you know, kind of, you know, step up in that regard. So, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. But I think, you know, you look at the addition of Fardaz, you know, we mentioned how what he can bring from a defense perspective, mentioned what he can bring from a scoring perspective. You know, I know it's not going to translate exactly to the Big Ten, Um but, you know, that's just another depth piece that, you know, not is just, I don't think, a depth piece because you need one, but I think would really bolster the roster and, you know, allow Chris Murray to, you know, maybe have a more prominent scoring. Well, obviously, Patrick McCaffrey isn't, wouldn't really play the five, but, you know, you can slide him to the three. Um, you know, you can play big, too, potentially putting Peyton Sanford at that two spot yep. or, you know, really whoever you want there. Obviously, Tony Perkins is going to be an ideal fit there, but... You know, I think I think there's a lot of intrigue, and you know, you mentioned you mentioned bolstering the roster. One, it's a big depth piece. Two, it's really just a positive addition that you know you need with this team because that could really you know set you up for success. I think the other part of it too, Sean, is just versatility and style of play. I mean, like you said, you get Fardaws, then you can go that. If you want to go big, okay, you put Connor McCaffrey, or Tony Perkins at the one, Peyton at the two, Patrick at the three, Chris at the four, and Fardaws at the five. I mean, that is an athletic big lineup mm-hmm. and it is interesting to watch how Iowa sword rosters developed it seems like what two years ago three years ago before Joe Wieskamp yeah. we were kind of sitting here thinking okay you know Iowa maybe maybe has one good athletic wing that can get some stuff done six seven versatile guy well Iowa now has like three or four guys that you can play almost positionless basketball with uh you could still go small a little bit you could play big and I mean just the reality I mean you look at how close Iowa was in some of these games and rebounding translated. I think the only game Iowa lost, ironically, where they were out-rebounded, where they weren't out-rebounded, was against Richmond. But I think Iowa was 18-1, 18-0 or 19-0 before that. So you get Fardaz. I think the rebounding problem, to some extent, I don't want to say it's solved because it's a lot more effort, but you get a guy who's that true centerpiece that can help you really win those rebounding battles. That The reality is, Sean, like, Iowa's not going to stay in games next year when they're out rebounded 50 to 22 or 50 to 26 like they were at times last year. And you look at, you know, poor Phillip had to go up against Kofi Coburn. He had to go up against Zach Eady. He had to go up against Travion Williams. I mean, guys are just massive human beings. And, you know, Phillip is a crafty player who's been around the block basketball wise a time or two, but that's just not a fair matchup for him. And you get Fardaws. I mean, I think Iowa just feels so much more. I mean, the reality is confident going into those games, and they could absolutely switch up styles on those teams. And if you want to make a push for those top three, top four spots in the conference, that's what you're going to have to do. But the reality is, I don't know if you agree with me with this on this, but it seems like the Big Ten is going to take a step back next year. And if Iowa wants to sort of take that next step forward as a program, next year is probably a very, very good time to do it. Yeah, I mean, Zach Eady will still be there. I know Kofi Coburn has a decision to make. Um, those are kind of the two guys at the top of my head right now. I know Michigan State is going hard after a transfer, a couple or a couple of them. Um, you know, there always seems to be guys that show up. Obviously, Trace Jackson Davis has the the opportunity to come back for another year as well. So, 
You know, I do think he'll take a step back, but I also think it might be more balanced at the top. I mean, has Hunter Dickinson decided what he's going to do? I haven't even... He's. I believe he's good to Claire, but yeah, I think he maintains eligibility. Coming soon, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's you know, there's guys still in the in the Big Ten that you know. I know it's not going to be the same as it was a couple years ago with when Garza and you know Xavier Tillman and all those guys were in there, but you know, it's still going to be a really competitive league. Um, you know, having a guy like Fardaz to you know really man the middle and you know have that reliable piece there that you know might not put up the numbers that. He did at Utah Valley would be still be very very important. Iowa lands Fardaws. I think there's gonna be a couple people that pick Iowa to potentially win the conference. But again, I think you need to see what Illinois is gonna do too. Bringing in Sky Clark was massive. I think Kofi. I think Kofi's gonna come back another year. Personally, I think the NIL combined with his game not necessarily translating to the NBA. I think he's gonna come back and again he'll go down as probably one of the more statistically eye popping. Uh, college basketball players big 10 players probably to ever to ever play but we'll have plenty of time to dive into that we'll see what happens with fardall's amac again i was working incredibly hard on that uh, be sure to stay tuned to hawkeyeinsider.com for the latest starting everything iowa football basketball recruiting wise be sure to follow us at david eichel at sbock 247 at hawkeyes on 24 7 and be sure to sign up for hawkeye insider vip today only a dollar for your first month that'll take you through the rest of spring ball a lot a lot of good content coming from that But until then, talk soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.